let's be real. Lawsuits are no fun, but with Paulson and Nace, at least they are a little easier. With two DC-born partners, Paulson and Nace will fight for you the way only a Washingtonian could. Paulson and Nace handles medical malpractice, wrongful death, and other complex injury cases involving negligence. So if you have been hurt or lost a loved one because of someone else's mistake or negligence, call Paulson and Nace for a no-obligation consultation. Visit www.paulsonandnace.com or call 202-463-1999. Hi, I'm David Plotz, the founder and CEO of CityCast. Please don't fast forward. This is not another ad. I'm here to ask for your help. I'm a lifelong Washingtonian, and I mean lifelong. I got here before the first zoo pandas did. I saw John Riggins win us the Super Bowl on my 13th birthday. I even wrote my college thesis on Mayor Marion Barry, for goodness sakes. I care so much about the city and this region. I want it to thrive, to be a place where all kinds of people can live together and make a good home and build community. And since you're listening to CityCast, you probably feel the same way. You share that love and joy and sometimes frustration with our city. That's why I want to ask you to support CityCast's new membership program. I started CityCast because I wanted to make D.C. a better place, and we're doing it one podcast and one newsletter at a time. Our small team hustles every day to keep you up to date on what matters here in the DMV. The Connecticut Avenue bike lane, the 911 call center crisis, the holiday markets, the last six restaurants I've tried. I learned about them all from the CityCast D.C. podcast and the Hey D.C. newsletter. But we need your help to keep this going. We're a startup, and we need support from listeners like you to make sure we're here for years to come. So, will you become a founding member of CityCast DC? It's only eight bucks a month, and you'll get ad-free podcasts, members-only perks, first dibs on live events, and more. But mostly, you'll get the satisfaction of supporting something that's making our city a little bit better every single day. Please sign up at membership.citycast.fm and become a founding member today. Today on CityCast DC, DC is such a special city. There's so much to do, see, and taste here. And with so much to experience, we wanted to narrow it down to the most transformative of what the city has to offer. So today, we're unveiling the final installation of our inaugural CityCast 6, our awards for this year. Today, we're diving into the categories of food and drink, business, and sustainability. We'll also be getting into who you, the listeners, thought should make the cut. Today's Tuesday, December 5th. I'm Bridget Todd, and here's what DC is talking about. Hey everyone, welcome to episode two of the CityCast 6, where we're picking the six people who have transformed DC this year, one for each of the six categories. I'm here with a panel of fantastic Washingtonians in their own right, Michael Brass-Sadler from the Washington Post, Anna Spiegel from Axios DC, and David Plotz, CEO of CityCast. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Thanks, Bridget. So our production team has been calling upon experts from across the city, far and wide, for their takes on these six categories too. So we've got a lot to work off of here. In case you missed it, we picked three winners in yesterday's episode with my co-host, Michael Schaefer. So listen for that. Today, we're going to start with one of my favorite categories, food and drink. We narrowed it down to some finalists, including 
David Deshays, creator of Love Makoto, Masako Morishita, the chef at Perry's, Rose Privet, owner of Compass Rose, Maidan, and Kirby Club, Tim Ma, owner of Lucky Danger, Any Day Now, and Lao Ban Dumplings, Kevin Tian, owner of Moon Rabbit, and Najmiya Batmanglij, creator of June. So let's dive right in. I cannot wait to know what you all think is really shaking up DC's food scene. Who do you think deserves to win this? Well, I was very torn. These are some um, incredible candidates, at least for me. You know, I know Najmiya Batmanglij, who's kind of known as the Julia Child of Persian cooking for so many years. She's really done so much for the cuisine in terms of bringing it to, into people's homes. And now she just opened her first restaurant in June at the age of 76, which I think is also incredible. I know she's not necessarily in the kitchen every single day. You know, she teamed up with a team of chefs, but she's there and her and her recipes are wonderful. I also, you know, I think I did a, just a book event with Rose for her new cookbook, the Maidan Cookbook. And I think through her restaurant, she's done so much to promote women chefs, but like home cooks and the food of Georgia and Lebanon and the Caucasus and Egypt in ways that like, they're not super chefy. It's not tweezer food. This is like real home cooking and highlighting these areas that are especially right now, a lot of conflict kitchens in ways that are just really beautiful and approachable. I also wanted to, to give a shout out to David Deshaies. I think one thing that really strikes me about him is that I was having a Caesar salad the other day at his new food hall, Love Makoto. And it really made me appreciate just how much he's done for food in DC. You know, Michel Richard brought him over from France when he was, I want to say he's like in his 20s. And he really, he trained under Michel. He worked at his restaurants. He's still active at Central. And he's been Fantastic at bridging the gap between, I think, old DC and new DC and kind of sticking to this beautiful traditions. And Michelle's, you know, tenants of always having something that's really flavorful and crunchy, fun and approachable, but also, you know, a lot of incredible talent and chef driven behind that. And I think the Love Makoto Food Halls and Lordente, his other restaurant, and Uncommissional Diner are some of the best restaurants in the city. So I was very torn, especially between those three, but I'd love to hear everyone else's thoughts. It, again, a very, very difficult choice. I haven't eaten it, all of the food, but I've eaten a lot of it. And I love David Deshaies' food. Lardente, I've had several of the best meals I've had in D.C., or a couple of the best meals I've had in D.C. at Lardente. I think that Maidan and Rose, I feel like they deserve a Lifetime Achievement Award. Rose wins everything. She doesn't need a City Cast 6. That's my <laughs> She's above it. <laughs> She's got a Lifetime Achievement Award. So even though she she would be a worthy winner, I would recommend uh, we don't go with her because she's got everything else. And I haven't eaten the scallion pancake wrap breakfast sandwiches at any day now, which is Tim Ma, but I am extremely, extremely excited for that. So I would give that ward an anticipation if I thought I would get some free sandwiches. I, I like the idea of, in, in addition to handing out, you know, the CityCast 6 awards, who are DC's like lifetime achievers? They don't even need these awards. They transcend these awards. I would gladly uh, participate in that episode. We did lifetime achievement awards. I think when it comes to me, so I actually live right around the corner from Unconventional Diner and Lardente, and uh, I'm partial to both. So instinctually, I was almost like, gotta go the bead here. But I was reading about Masako Morishita's story and uh, Perry's just being the iconic restaurant that it is. Going from the commanders to getting into cooking to taking over that historic restaurant and then being nominated for a Ramy, which is a huge deal locally in D.C., uh, and all of that in such a rapid period of time, and to be the first Japanese woman to take the helm is, yes, like, you almost can't make that story up. It sounds fake. 
is just so cool. So I was like, I'm probably going to lean with Masako with a, uh, I'm also a huge Lucky Danger fan. So Tama was intriguing. Uh, I was torn, but Anna, I appreciated you offering a little bit more insight into some of these folks beyond what I read. Yeah. And Masako is also, she's an incredible talent and just a lovely person too. So that, I mean, all these people are, there's not, there is not a non-lovely chef on this list. Um, so. <laughs> I'm giving my vote to you, Anna. <laughs> Bridget, what do you think? Bridget, you're a big food and drink person. I don't know. Well, something that you just said that really struck me is how many of these folks have such interesting, dynamic, rich stories. I like mm-hmm. that it's not just like, well, I had lots of money and I always thought like, when you have lots of money, you should open a restaurant. So I did that. They actually have stories that make you want to connect with them and make you want to be in conversation with the world they're trying to create through their food. And so I don't know. I just think that's we're lucky to be in a city where that's the case. I know plenty of cities where that's not always the case. Yeah. And I think also one thing that's interesting when you talk about kind of connection and dialogue, like you have Tim Ma and Kevin Tian both on here and they, they started chefs stopping AAPI hate together. They do a lot of collaborations, you know, they're always doing fundraisers together whenever there's, you know, whether it's the war in Ukraine, whether it's Afghanistan, like they're the first people and chefs in general on the ground to kind of start helping people out. So I think they're great for that work too. Makes it hard. (laughs) Yeah. And it takes me back to the interview that we did with Kevin Tian about Moon Rabbit when they were going through lots of turmoil. I think that one of the, we were really trying to get him to give us some like, what's actually going on? Like, give us the real story. Like, no, no, but like, give us the tea. And the thing that he kept saying over and over again was, all I can tell you is to be in solidarity with the staff. All I can tell you is check out the staff GoFundMe. And something about that really stuck with me about I don't know just how interested some of these folks are in being in genuine community and solidarity with folks. Mm -hmm. So how are we going to decide? Who's got it? Oh my gosh, this is such a tough place to be in. So kind of like reflected in the conversation that we've just had, there was so much debate. We got so many comments from readers supporting both Najmiya and Masako. And I have to say, Najmiya just barely beat her out. So that is our popular vote winner. What do you all think about that? happy with either of them. Agree. I don't think it helps me very much. I still am curious where Anna lands. I just feel like you're the authority. Yeah. You know, I'm so torn. I think I'd be torn. I'm mostly torn between David and Najmiya just because I think when you're talking about people who don't necessarily need the win, I think even though, you know, obviously David's restaurants are very high profile, he as a chef isn't as more widely known, but Najmiya also, I mean, in terms of lifetime achievement, it's incredible what she's done. And I think taking this new chapter at you know into her 70s i think it's fantastic and i also i love her she's she's a wonderful person and and what she's done for persian cuisine is really incredible so that's great i i I endorse sounds like we're going with najmiya wonderful that's great it's time to get dressed up dc so Others Might Eat is having its Young Professionals Network Spring Soiree that's to help raise funds for homelessness in D.C. The gala is on the evening of May 17th at the National Museum of Women in the Arts. There will be live music from DJ Heat from the Washington Wizards, photo booths, food, and even a special appearance by a former actor from Pretty Little Liars. Wow! There will also be a canned food drive, so be sure to bring a few cans to support Sum's Food Pantry. Grab tickets before they're gone at sum.org slash spring soiree. That's S-O-M-E dot O-R-G slash spring soiree. 
See you there. When was the last time you went to the theater? Well, we have a new show for you to check out. The Gala Theater in Columbia Heights is showing the political musical comedy Museum in the Closet, Avida's Return, which follows Argentine icon Eva Perón to the afterlife as her preserved corpse ignites political scandals, clandestine affairs, and mysterious murders. The show is full of samba, reggae, and tango that will have you tapping your feet nonstop. The show is in Spanish with English surtitles and will run from May 9th through June 9th. Get your tickets now at galatheater.org or call 202-234-7174. Okay, so let's move on to business and development. We've actually had kind of a hot year in D.C. when it comes to business and development. The nominees are Kevin Hallams and Ian Callender, founders of Sandlot, Rashawn Bernard, president and CEO of Building Bridges Across the River, Amy Rice, JBG Smith Senior VP of Retail Leasing, Brett Schulman, CEO of Kava, Rob Selden, CEO of Highland Square. So what do we think, panel? Who do we think is really shaking up things in D.C. when it comes to business and development? There can be only one winner here. There's only one answer to this. What do you think, Plots? The greatest contribution of Washington, D.C. to all of human civilization is Kava. <laughs> That's what I was going to say! Yeah. <laughs> it's truly the, the only thing when they look back, the archaeologists look back in, from 4,000 years when all the whole world is just Kava's. They're going to look back and where was it? Where did it start? What was the Olduvai Gorge of Kava was Washington, D.C. And it's Kava is a magnificent achievement. And they went public this year and it's incredible. It's delicious. It's like affordable. It improves every year. How can we not celebrate the CEO of Kava, who's a local boy made good? I agree. And I, I was torn, I also, you know, I think the 11th Street Bridge Project that Rashawn is doing is amazing. And he's done amazing things for the the ARC Kava. It also feels very timely. I think we're going to see a lot of like the 11th Street Bridge Project coming together in the next couple of years. And I think with Kava too, like I remember when the guys, I mean, I went to their first Kava in Bethesda. I remember when the guys were actually in the back sealing the dips with hair dryers because they didn't have a machine yet. And now talking about also their bigger impact on the region, they have a factory in Laurel that employs conjures people. And then they are, they're opening a factory in the Shenandoah Valley. It's a $20 million project. Um, it's also going to be huge for jobs. So you think about kind of their greater impact on the region, I think that's worthy to consider too. I have a hard time disagreeing. I narrowed it down to a final three with Brett being on that list, of course. I also have Rashan building bridges across the river. I think, Anna, you make a compelling point. That's not quite into fruition yet. But I think the plan and project is something more people should know about trying to connect a historically underserved area of the city to the rest of the city in a new way, in an environmentally friendly way is really fantastic and interesting. And then my third contender was Kevin Hollinson, mm -hmm. Ian Callender with Sandlot, just because I think all the times I've gone to Sandlot, I've mostly gone to the Anacostia location. And it's just like, it's a good time. And it's really becomes a melting pot of all different types of people. They have great music food trucks. It's just become something in my arsenal, like what am I going to do over the weekend? Maybe head to Sandlot. And it's not something that was available before. So I feel like in terms of something that's relatively new to the scene, Sandlot stood out to me as a good option. 
Yeah. And I also love their vision. Like, you know, everyone talked to, you know, I've talked to Ian a little bit more than Kevin, but like, you know, the idea of taking an area of the city that's either falling into disrepair or is just waiting to, for it to be, to be developed, or, you know, like he did in Georgetown with turning an old gas station, you know, into a sandlot and making it a community gathering place, making it somewhere beautiful, even if that's just temporary, because even if it's just a year, I think that's a great way to look at development. Like, not everything has to be a multi billion dollar development project that's supposed to be last for eternity. You can have these ephemeral things uh, that really contribute to community. I, I love what both of you said about the other folks you favored, who obviously are not, do not rank up there with <laughs> with the, 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 the godhead of Kava, obviously. But the, I just want to note to Rob Selden, we didn't say anything about Rob Selden, and I actually don't know much about Rob Selden, but Rob Selden does have a very interesting idea, which are these buildings that are kind of live work convertible buildings that are very easy to convert from a office slash commercial building into a residential building. And they're testing that out. They're going to try one here in DC. And I like the idea of seeing where that goes. Also worth talking about is Amy Rice, who oversaw that new water park project that we talked about on the podcast before, National Landing, sometimes controversially called NALA, which is another popular nominee among our readers and listeners. So the actual popular vote Rashawn Bernard won with building bridges across the river, with Brett being a close second, because who doesn't love Kava? But plots, it didn't win out. I'm a little surprised. I'm shocked. I, I don't know. I just feel like, <laughs> David, your reaction, I feel like, would be the reaction of many people when they see that name on the list. And for those who are familiar with Kava's growth and proliferation over the past decade, it's like, all right, that's a very easy choice. So I think I appreciate the fact that the listeners. Uh, one with the bridge project. People are afraid of big hummus. <laughs> <laughs> big chickpea. Well, I think it comes to, down to like how people understand the idea of who's transforming DC. I think Kava has been like, everyone loves Kava. It's been around for a little bit of time. I think that when you think about somebody who is actually changing the landscape of the city and how we think about the city, I can sort of understand why Rashawn beat out Kava. Just to confirm, Kava wins from this panel, right? Oh, yes. Yeah. 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 I have it for lunch every single day. (laughs) I know. I just, I literally just asked my husband what he wanted for dinner. I was going to roast a chicken. He says, Kava. I was like, great. How can I compete with that? (laughs) So let's move on to our last category, sustainability and environment. Our nominees are Brenda Lee Richardson, coordinator for the Anacostia Parks and Community Collaborative, Sabrina Rhodes, empowered DC community organizer, Dennis Chestnut, founder of the Groundwork Anacostia River DC, Nathan Harrington, executive director, Ward 8 Woods, Abel Olivio, Executive Director of Defensores de la Cuenca, and Rob Ruba, Chef at Oyster Oyster. What are we thinking? Who is shaking up DC in the environmental category? And I have to just add, I think it's cool that we added this. I think that it's sometimes easy to think about environmentalism and sustainability as something that just happens, as opposed to like, no, there are actually people who are like, they're doing the work to make it happen. And it's good to recognize them and not just have them fade into the background of the city. Agree, Bridget. And I'm looking forward to this part of the discussion because I think it's not something that's discussed enough. And there are a lot of people who are doing the work that maybe one might think the federal government or the city government should be doing or is doing. But it's actually like neighborhoods and and people who are putting the brunt of the work in. And one name that stood out to me was Nathan Harrington and Ward 8 Woods. Uh, A lot of people don't really know a whole lot about DC's forested land. I know I didn't. I did a story about it earlier this year. D.C. has a lot of forests. 90% of it is owned by the federal government, but D.C. itself operates about 500 acres of it. 
a lot of it is in Ward 7 and 8, and a lot of it is, I guess, neglected. It's in poor shape, and the city doesn't really have an organized way of making sure that they're dealing with invasive species, trash, and it's a huge complaint. It makes the forest inaccessible to residents, particularly in uh, areas of the city where, you know, you have beautiful Rock Creek Park on one end, and then on the other end, you have a lot of dense brush that you just can't do anything with. It's a public safety concern. So you have groups like Ward 8 Woods that are actually going out and doing that work themselves to clean up the trash, to deal with the invasive species, to try to give some trees and saplings some room to grow. And Janice Lewis-George this year, who we discussed in our politics category, introduced a bill that would mandate an office to A, help facilitate grants to some of these groups that have been doing that work, but B, actually have a city government entity that's responsible for cleaning up the forested land. So I think the fact that you have Nathan Harrington and groups similar to Ward 8 Woods already doing that work that the city has not prioritized says a lot about how dedicated they've been to something that isn't talked about very often. I completely agree. And I think one thing that struck me so much was like some of these people, it's like really just boots on the ground. Like they're really going ahead and taking initiative and doing, you know, making these changes within their communities. Also Sabrina Rhodes, I think having a community organizer on the list, I wasn't familiar with the uh, Friends of Carmel School. And I think that her advocacy work in terms of creating a community center out of this long vacant deteriorating property was amazing as well as you know the, her recent the environmental justice amendment act that's um, before the dc council right now she's been really active in terms of getting the area cleaned up from the chemical plant so i thought that was really convincing as well yeah i i love these candidates and love the work they're doing i i mean i think that brenda lee richardson who's working on trails in ward seven and eight and including along suitland parkway the suitland parkway trail i've been on it not great. It would be great for it to be improved. And creating a Shepherd Branch Trail, which would be also wonderful. I also found the Sabrina Road story really moving. She's very charismatic. There's a short film that mm-hmm. was made about her called People Rising, about her work in Ivy City. And she's just, she's a real presence. And the other nominee is super inspiring. I think the one person I think maybe I wouldn't put in this list, not because his work isn't good, but in the same category as Rose Prevet, who wins everything, that Rob Ruba at Oyster Oyster, like they're great restaurant. Yeah. Glad they're doing sustainability and sourcing. I'm not sure it's having the same impact on the city and the lived life of people in the city in quite the same way that the other nominees are. Yeah, I'm always so surprised how Rob walks the walk. Like I just, I'm doing a story with him about how he got this really expensive machine to crush wine bottles to turn the to glass into sand so it's more easily recyclable. And he's also turning it into plates. Like he really does. It's not just so he like you know sources from local farms, but I agree in terms of like really impacting the city and how the how the landscape looks. I also thought Dennis Chestnut wonderful in terms of of you know his his experience with the river. So. And the two names you both started with rounded out my top three in terms of finalists, Brenda Lee Richardson and Sabrina Rhodes. I think the Cremel School story is one that every DC resident should be familiar with. Ivy City is just kind of a hub of, unfortunately, environmental strife and issues and her advocacy among other people in that community. Uh, I have said this a few times, it's just not talked about enough. So Uh, I'm kind of curious where the listeners landed on their decision. Listeners, I think, felt the same way that a lot of you did. 
Rob did get second place. Um, I have to just take a minute to say that people, listeners really felt strongly about Rob. Somebody said, he's my culinary hero. Uh, It's funny, Anna, because you said, oh, he walks the walk. Somebody said, he walks the walk, just Google him. That's all you need to know. However, Brenda Lee Richardson did win out. Can I cast my, I'm casting my vote for Sabrina Rhodes. I'm just saying that if we're going to, if we're going to vote, but any of them is fine by me. Also, uh, Sabrina is a DC native. I don't object to Sabrina Rhodes. Yeah. And I think also, I mean, we're talking also about like work that needs attention um, and to be uplifted. And I think also what she's fighting for, I mean, she, she had a great quote where she was like, I'm not done fighting. Like she's on the ground doing the good work. And I think that celebrating that is a great thing. Well, I'm happy to say that Sabrina wins the CityCast 6 award. So for our winners, we have Najmia, Brett, and Sabrina. I think we've got a pretty good list of winners here for our first time doing this. Agree. I think you have such also such strong candidates. It's been really, it was a really fun project to, you know, look into some of these people that I knew well, look and find out things that, about them that I didn't know, look into people I knew less about, but I want to learn more. So it was a lot of fun. Seriously. Thank you guys so much for doing it. Thank you, Bridget having us on thank you yeah thank you yeah thanks so much i'll see you next year and we can do it again for our citycast six lifetime achievement awards sounds great fantastic that's all for today here at citycast dc if you enjoyed the show share it with your favorite transformative washingtonian we'll be back tomorrow morning with even more news from around the city talk to you then He was like one of the founders of um, was that Vampire Weekend? Oh my god! I was oh. like, I yeah, what? That was that so Ross, same name. So Ross yeah. went to yeah. um, went to Potomac School. And we were okay, in the same we need, this. We this needs to be its own episode. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>